millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecutor. Welcome again. My name is Todd Nettleton. We are in the studio today with Paul Dantumda. He is a leader in YWAM's Global Eldership Council. He is also a leader for YWAM's work in Nigeria. Paul, welcome back. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be here. It is our pleasure to have you. For those of you who are longtime listeners, uh, we had Paul once before along with Paul Childers. So we had Paul and Paul that particular day. Paul, it's interesting knowing a little bit about your story. Your mom was a persecuted Christian. Your your mom paid a price for following Jesus. Maybe tell us a little bit about her story. And that's obviously that's part of your DNA. That's part of your Christian heritage. Yes. My father was a missionary that was sent to plant churches in Togo. As he entered to Togo to plant the first church, he was having a crusade and he was preaching for salvation. And my mom was in the, in the, in the crowd. And when my dad made the altar call, she was one of the first that came out wow. publicly to give her life to Jesus. And her father was the imam in the northern part of Togo and the city called Mango. And when she came out in public to confess Jesus, the Muslim was offended. I'm sure. And they was wanting now to kill her. Then they realized that it was the daughter of the imam of the mosque. And my grandfather at that time, uh, that means the father of my mom, said, I want to have the honor to kill her myself. Wow. As she was going home and she arrived home, he, he took the spear to kill her. I, she threw the spear to her. The spear, she dodged and the spear just went into the wall and she realized her life was in danger. She started running and went and hid in the church and was sleeping in the bench of the church and de- refused to deny Jesus. And it ended up that she was speaking more than five languages. <laughs> and and she became the translator for my dad, and she was translating, and they end up getting married. She married a preacher, <laughs> and uh, the, now my dad was preaching, and she was interpreting. My dad was preaching, she was interpreting, and when she was pregnant of me, I, my dad was preaching. They rushed to kill them, and they start to beat my dad into coma. And my mom was vomiting blood, and, and they rushed her to the hospital. They tried to step in the stomach, tried to kill the baby and all this stuff. And, and when she went to hospital, it was bleeding and everything. Is there she gave birth, and it's how I was born. Wow. And with some scar in my back. So you still bear the scars of that persecution, literally from before you were born. Yes. How does that affect your ministry today? I mean, I would think you just have a sense of, from the very beginning, God has had his hand on you and protected you. Amen. Does that give you a, a sense of passion and a sense of courage that, hey, 
God's been protecting me my whole life. I can, I can go anywhere. Amen. God been really protecting me in my own life. And my dad gave me name Paul because he wanted <laughs> me to be like Apostle Paul. Uh-huh. And my mom gave me a, our traditional name that means God is your protector. And this is my name because <laughs> I was born out of pain. And he said, God protected you. And he gave me, she gave me that name. God is your protector. Is the one that protects you. Your protection comes from God. Then I went to Nigeria to start the Wawam ministry, the first base. I pioneered the first base of Wawam in Nigeria. And today we have more than 27 bases, wow. campuses. And then start working in the persecuted church because I come from that. Uh-huh. This is my heritage. One of the things that you're involved in in Nigeria, and I know there's a lot, is the Women of Honor. We had Susie Childers here just a few weeks ago. She talked about being there. She talked about the all-night prayer service that she woke up to find out was happening and and just the healing that's going on there. Talk a little bit about Women of Honor, how it started, and and what the purpose of it is. Uh, It started when we started involved and tried to reach out to the persecuted church in the northern part of Nigeria. We went there, we rebuilt some of the churches that was destroyed. We rebuilt some of the schools that girls was being kidnapped and all this, and uh, and seeing them restored. And we started reaching out to some that was persecuted. Then suddenly we started seeing the woman that lost their husband because of persecution. Their husband has been beheaded and all this, we start gathering a meeting. And the first meeting is was to do a Christmas for them because they don't have that opportunity, mm-hmm. like all of us that love to enjoy Christmas, they didn't have that opportunity. We gathered 2,000 of them, and we did a Christmas. And when we did a Christmas for them, suddenly we feel that God wants us to minister to them. We start washing their feet and anointing them with oil, and we bring rings, and we start giving them rings and say, your husband is no more, but Jesus is your husband. Wow. As we was ministering to them with the trauma healing and all this, which changes that start happening. And we did it for one week, two weeks. Then we realized they need more than that, mm-hmm. one week or two weeks. And we also realized that if they stay in their environment for training, the trauma is still around them Mm -hmm. and the fear is still around them. They will not be totally free and open for it. It's why we take them to a city called Portacot in the River State where they will go to six-month training and there they have a time to receive the healing receive transformation, receive proper discipleship, receive, become strong in their faith to be able to minister to others. In other words, it was more multiplication. And we start training them on sewing, tying the, making soap and all this. But we realized that some of them was needing more than that. And we start training them to become school teachers. And we start a school for the orphans because they come with their children orphans. Mm-hmm. We have like now we have 70 orphans with us. And th- then we start the school and you see it restored dignity. 
And one of the things is they spent a time many times at the cross crying before the Lord and receiving their healing and their deliverance. You know, yes, the trauma healing teaching is good, but also you have to be willing to allow Jesus to minister to you. And some of them that have spiritual challenges, they receive prayer. And God was able to heal them and restore them back. And for the children, some of the children see the mother being beheaded, the father being beheaded, the mother being raped. And those children, I remember one, there was one of the child, she was crying all the time, being like naughty. She didn't want to, to have to, doesn't want to go to school and all this. And the mother had to sit down until he get used to the school. And then one person almost reacted, and the mother said, don't. And the mother starts telling the story. The father was beheaded in front of him, and I was raped. They raped me in front of him. And the child was always afraid that they would take the mother away from him. This is why he was all all the time stick to the mother. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. How do you help a child in that situation process that trauma or work through that or or is it just a matter of of waiting for the holy spirit to to heal that the prayer is the first thing and showing him the ways of god is very good because knowing that it's only god that can heal is only god that can make you to forgive because god jesus forgive us even that we sin against him. Mm-hmm. And when they start understanding the forgiveness process, and start, this is the beginning of healing. And they start going to the cross by themselves to cry before the Lord and receive that healing. We have to teach the people how to go to the cross because when they start realizing that it's God that can save them and they have to be willing also to lay down their burden at the cross, then this is the beginning of true counseling. And after that, you can come with the technique that can help and also make them be secure and confident that the place they are is not dangerous. It's why it's good to take them out from where they are, providing a secure place where they can receive the healing and process their pain. And also the teachers, they know their pain. Right. They're not to help, they how to help them yep. to process. Yeah, that's it. Paul, let's talk a little bit about Lauren Cunningham. I know Lauren just went to heaven. You guys have been in the process of, of celebrating his life and, and taking the next steps as YWAM leaders. What does Lauren's ministry mean to you, or, or how did Lauren affect you? I don't call him Lauren. I call him Papa Lauren because he's a father to me. And Papa Lauren has been such a wonderful example that taught us how to live well in relationship with Jesus and how to die well with God. He was in his bed still having his last vision to see every mother tongue have the Bible. And if we want to impact the world, we have to see the Word of God orally in their mother tongue. The Bible says in our Lord's prayer that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is the will of God that is in heaven that is not on earth? 
it takes us back to the book of Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. Every tongue before the throne. It's going to happen in heaven. Amen. But we need to see it happen in earth. And I know you have taken that vision from Lauren yes. in Nigeria and, and run with it 100 miles an hour. Yes. Talk, talk a little bit about the process of, of what that looks like to go from zero scripture in a language to now having people have the ability to listen to God's word, as you say, in their mother tongue, in the tongue their mother spoke to them, in the tongue they heard around their dinner table growing up. What is the process to get from zero to having them have that ability? It's community-based translation. I go to the chief. I say to the chief, do you have anything written in your mother tongue? The chief said, no, at all. I already know that. <laughs> and, I already knew the answer to that one. <laughs> yes, but I just provoke him to uh-huh, think. Right. And he said, no. Do you have anything oral thing? No. And I say to the chief, don't you want to have your mother tongue being preserved for the future? I say, oh, yes. Because all the young people, they go to town, they go to Mm -hmm. travel, and they lose the language, and the language is busy disappearing. And then I say, what a wonderful thing if we can do put it into the Bible and the Word of God being the one that preserved that matter. The king said, oh, yes, I didn't think about that. Yes, I'm happy. I want that. Then I say to him, do you know anybody in your tribe and your mother tongue that know the language very well? And I say, I, want, I need three of them. And he bring me the three. And I took them to our campus. What I did is I decided to just section it, not losing the content and right. the context. And then after that, the Wawama will be the servant, the one serving. And he will study the chapter the day before the translation, before they go to studio. The people themselves will study this the same chapter, one chapter, the day before go to studio, and they will compare with different versions. They will look at New King James, American Standard Version, Reverse Standard Version, and then they will look at other translation and other languages that have been translated. They will do the comparison and come, come up with the best because mm-hmm. we want the best and right. the quality. And then one of them, as we section it, they will read it in, in English, and the section without losing the context because they already studied, they know the context, they, they know the paraphrase, they know all this stuff before. And after he finished reading it, uh, the, uh, reading the order will translate, are they going, and we tape everything. Mm-hmm. And we go it many times to make sure we did not miss anything. After we did deep study about it and translated about it, the orders that are there are cross-checking if this is really close. After we finished, we took it to the studio, we edited. After we edited, we took it back to the king, that is the custodian of the language. Mm-hmm. And he will look at it, go through it, and he will stamp it. And if it's something to correct, he will correct it. And then he will say, yes, this is what we want. Uh-huh. And it's such... A joy to see them enjoying their mother tongue 
or rallied with the Bible. They say, oh, wow, yes, I never heard that before. We never have this before. This is so powerful. And everybody is excited and getting wanted to get involved. Then we take it to the church leaders. We don't just go to one denomination because it can be biased. We take it to different church leaders to check it. And it's like Anglican, Catholic, Baptist, Assemblies of God, you name it. And they always cross-check it. And that know the language very well. Right. And they will say, oh, we love it. And then we take it to the market. That means the women and the young people, if they can understand it, if it's not too difficult, the word they're coming with. And then they will also, after they listen it and they approve it, as you're going through the process, they are so excited. They say, oh, we want it. When are we going to have it? We want it. We want it. This is so wonderful to have the word of God in our mother tongue. They get excited about it. Even before you finish, they, they are rushing to have it. And this is community-based translation. Mm -hmm. And we are just serving them and make sure that they don't miss anything in the word of God. So, Paul, how long, if you were starting with a new language tomorrow mm -hmm. and you had the three people from the village who spoke the language really well, mm -hmm. how long would it take you to translate the New Testament? For the book of Luke, I will say we take, it takes us the book of Luke that is 24 chapter. It took us one month. What a blessing this is to the people that you're serving because yes. they want to preserve their language. They yes. want to celebrate their language. Yes. And this is such a gift to them to say, yeah. we're honoring we're honoring you by exactly. giving you God's word in your own language. Yes, they're excited about it because they say this is our own. Mm -hmm. It's not somebody that came to do it for us. We did it ourselves. They own it. It was so powerful and so impactful. Yes. So once you get at an an end point, like the Gospel of Luke. It's been signed off on by the chief. It's been signed off on by the church leaders. Mm -hmm. You've tested it out in the market, and, and people really understand it. They're getting it. Yeah. So you feel like you have a, a finished product. Yes, for the New Testament. Then how do you push that out to people? Uh, we will go back to the community, and we will put it in a SD card that they can put it in their phones, mm -hmm. and they will be listening in the market. We right. provide something that they will be listening in, in the market. And and different places, and the people really like it. They, oh, they yeah. enjoy it. And the nice thing about having it on a phone is they can instantly share it with their friends too. Yes. Oh, hey, let me give you this file. Let me. You should listen to this. Yes. So, what a great way to spread the gospel. Amen. And you're doing this in Nigeria, mm -hmm. but YWAM is also pushing this in other nations as well. To, oh, yes. To make this happen around the world. It's already in Nepal. It's already in India. We push it in India and Nepal, and it's just spreading wow. like wildfire. And we thank Jesus for for this great work revelation that God gave. And Papa Lauren, at the end of his life, that every mother tongue will receive the word of God. Amen. And this is amazing. Paul, as we finish up, we always like to equip listeners to pray. As we are thinking about this translation process and the oral mother tongue process— how can we pray for you? How can we pray for your team and for these more for more languages? Yeah, pray for more languages to be translated 
that we will always meet the right people and bring them on campus. We don't leave them in that place for translation. We bring them on campus, and they are there 24 hours doing the translation. Then the second thing I want to encourage our listeners to pray for is the Women of Honor Ministry. And, yeah. and, and again, Susie talked about this a couple weeks ago. How do we pray for those women, for the leaders of that ministry, for those children, some of whom have been traumatized in, in really horrible ways? Yeah. Help yeah. us to pray. Pray. Pray for them to come, many of them to come out of the trauma. Uh, because it's not an easy one. Like one woman was giving her testimony. They beheaded their husband and put the head in her laps. Oh, my. From morning to evening. And their mother-in-law came to bury the, the, the son that was beheaded. And when she buried the son, normally they, you are not allowed to bury it. You have to leave it for the bird to eat because it's an infidel. And when he buried him, the Boko Haram heard about it. They came out and beheaded the woman. And uh, that woman has so much trauma. I just give an example for you how to pray that God will deliver them from all this trauma. And God is busy doing it, but they need your prayer. They need your prayer for it. And also the children that are traumatized. We provide a special school for them and campus. And the women of honor themselves are the teachers in wow. that school. And right now, the women of honor are the one leading the school. There's no other woman or no other they, the, the discipleship training school for six months is being led by the women of honor themselves. They, they went through it like Miriam. She's from the city of Goza in the northern part of Nigeria. And her, her husband was beheaded. She's the leader of the school. And, uh, and with her friends, they're leading the school and uh, they're doing a great job. Wow. Because they went through it, right. they They've know how to, to help others. And this is why uh, they're crying before the Lord day and night. And they, they learn to bring the others to go to the cross and receive their healing and their deliverance. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you're listening right now, to pray, especially for God's work in Nigeria this week. Paul, it's such an honor to be partnered up with you and Amen. with all of the YWAM family around the world. Yes. Thank you for being our guest this week. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.